When my friend's mother passed away, she traveled home for the memorial service to mourn, to help her siblings clean out their home. And she came back to Chicago with tons of note cards and cookbooks holding her mother's recipes. She took some time and then she had a few of us over for dinner and she made some of her mother's recipes. And we sat at the table and we listened to stories and we laughed and we cried together. Her mother had grown up in a home with food insecurity and parental abuse. Once she tried to sneak a jar of pickles into her, into her room that she had saved up her own money to buy and she was punished by being given a single pickle for each meal until the jar was gone. To her, growing up and cooking exotic dishes that were never heard of in her family was a way that she offered healing and safety to that inner hungry child. And she passed the love of trying new things on to her children. And it's only through my friendship with her daughter that I have tried things like making homemade pasta or making homemade sushi or even making homemade cheese. So we gathered together at that table and in her mother's memory, we ate her barbecue pork tacos with her homemade barbecue sauce. And it was a table full of love and comfort food. And it was also still a table full of grief. Comfort foods do not remove pain or sadness, but they can keep us company in a way. I also have a theory about comfort foods. They're often calorie dense and carbohydrate rich and made to stick to your ribs because grief and loss is a marathon. And because your brain needs glucose to make new pathways and new wrinkles as it learns new things, just like parents may be advised to make sure that their kids have extra carbohydrates this week as they start school for all the, all the new, new learning they'll be doing, new schedules, new routines, new rules, Grief and loss also introduce a lot of new learning for us. Beyond the very real learning of navigating the, the logistics of service and legal documents and research, we also have to learn who we are now without that person or that job or that home or that relationship. We have to learn how to orient ourselves in the world. And your brain needs the support. It needs the comfort and the glucose and probably the pasta, the potatoes, the tortillas and the rice. God is named throughout scripture as our comforter. In the Psalms, God leads us beside still waters. At Pentecost, in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit of God that comes down to live inside each of us is called the Comforter. And in Philippians, we hear this comfort from God named as a peace that surpasses understanding. 
In today's passage in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 6, we also see that we are comforted so that we might also comfort others. The recipe passed down to us, through us. I think many of us could share moments of inexplicable peace that we have named God, or moments when we sense the presence of the divine, or perhaps a moment or a goodbye beyond what we believed we could carry, and somehow a strength larger than us brought us through. Sometimes when I watch the news this week, when I watched the news and I saw the number of deaths in Hawaii double and continue to climb, my anxiety was climbing with it. My grief, huge. I have to remind myself that it's only part of the story, that God being present and ministering peace and comfort to those in moments of horror, I will rarely see on this side of the story. But I hold on to a belief that God shows up all the time in ways I will never know about. That God is present in all of those moments. And I pray beyond time and space and ask for even more comfort and even more peace for each person that every molecule of smoke would hold God's mercy. Each week, as we name our prayer request together, I'm struck by the grief that we carry that just continues to grow. So much cancer, so much cancer. In these moments of tragedy, Mr. Rogers would encourage us to find comfort by looking for the helpers. And there are so many beautiful helpers. I see the helpers organizing mutual aid faster than the government can mobilize. I see people donating money and resources and taking displaced people into their home. I see you holding the hand of someone you love and choosing to be present when it's difficult. I hear your prayers and protests for justice and safety. I smell the food you serve at the crib for unhoused queer youth. I see the helpers in this community and beyond. I see the helpers, and yet if I'm being honest with you, it isn't enough. The helpers aren't enough God for me. I need a bigger God than a God who is only there, found in the moments of fixing. I need a God that's present in the broken pain too. A God that is big enough to be found in the suffering and the dying. I, I need Jesus. God will always be too small when I limit God to only being found in the cure. Without glorifying pain and suffering, I want to name that pain is also an important messenger of God's presence. It is pain and grief that tells us that something is not right in our world. 
It is pain and grief that tells us not to be numb or indifferent. It is our pain that screams out our urgency. Perhaps the screaming pain and grief that we feel is the echo of a screaming God. Here I am in this moment saying this is not okay. See me here with you. A few years ago, a couple weeks after the murder of George Floyd, at the height of the pandemic, as we all swam in oceans of grief and isolation, I was helping the four-year-old I nannied at the time get ready for bed. And we both reached for the same bedtime storybook and we cracked our noggins pretty hard. And she began crying that distinct cry of a child in pain. Not all cries are the same. Not just how they, how they hear, how we hear them, and how they sound, but also the literal tears are different. If I have something in my eye, my eye will water saline tears to get rid of it. But when my brain is overwhelmed with hormones and emotions, my brain releases those through my tears. The makeup of my tears is different. That's why we talk about having a good cry, a cry that was really needed. You feel the difference, the catharsis. It's comforting. They help you, these tears. And as she started crying, I scooped her up and I held her. And after a moment, I wiped her tears away to look at her sweet face to see if there was a bump. And she called out clearly, no, Lainey, give them back. Those tears are mine. I need them to feel better. And she took my hand, wet with her own tears, and she placed them onto her forehead. And slowly, her breathing calmed. I couldn't stop thinking about it. It was this powerful metaphor to me about the importance of lament, not just as a byproduct of pain or healing, but lament as an active healer, tears as comforter. I started to think about God, not just present in the helpers, but present in the very tears that we cry. The tears that say that this world is broken. The tears that say that you should have been treated better and that death is unfair. The tears that cry out that the earth is on fire. Tears that literally regu regulate your overwhelmed brain and bring comfort. Tears that hold God, lament, as God with you. I think that one place we're invited to experience God's comforts is in prayer, but I also know that when the stakes are high and the situation is ongoing, we can just run out of words. It's hard to keep praying. So today, I thought that I would close the sermon by getting into the kitchen a little bit with you and giving you a spiritual recipe that I use 
It's a guided, visualized prayer to help you pray for someone that you are holding on your heart who is in pain. My prayer is that this practice, this recipe, will be comfort food to you today and that you will experience God in it. So take a moment, close your eyes, find a neutral position for your body. Maybe slide your feet into the grass, I know I would. Put your hands in your palm, or put your hands in your lap, palms facing up. Slow your breathing. Let any thoughts float onto the screen of your mind. And then in your mind, take a paint roller, dip it into black paint, and paint over that screen so that it is all black. Let that black screen open up become a three-dimensional space of safe darkness. In this black void before you, create a peaceful place with grass and a gentle river. You can hear the river. You're sitting in the grass. The sun is warm. Maybe it's a place you're familiar with. Maybe you're inside a work of art or creating some place new. What elements can you add to this place that increase your feelings of peace? Birds? A breeze? As your mind self sits in the grass, bow your mind's head and close your mind's eyes still aware of the nature around you, and speak in your mind words of invitation. Loving and comforting God, join me here. God is joining you. Is God sitting on your left or your right? In a moment, you'll turn to face God in your mind and though you've never seen God, you'll instantly know them to be safe and loving, and you will recognize God. Open your mind's eyes now and see God. God is looking at you with great kindness. God is enjoying the warm sunshine and the green grass with you. This space is able to hold your truest self. God welcomes you and loves you deeply. You're able to know God's thoughts as God is able to know yours. Take a moment and ask God what areas of your self-perception God wants to speak love and healing to. Now take a moment and ask God how God views you. What words or pictures God uses to describe you, their beloved child? Thank God through words or through embracing, but allow yourself to be fully known and to be fully loved in this moment. 
hand in hand, walk to the water's edge. You watch as God walks into the river. God is in the middle of the stream. The water is just below God's chest. On the stream's edge, bring to mind someone in your life who is in pain, either physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual. This could even be a past or present version of yourself, but picture them standing next to you. Acknowledge the pain they carry. Put your arm around them and gently pick them up into your arms. Hold them. When you are ready, walk into the stream toward God. As the water rises, it helps you carry the weight of the person that you are holding. As you join God, God reaches out and you place the person you carry into the arms of God. You continue to hold this person with God in the gentle waters. Golden light is emanating from God into the water as you gently hold your friend in the golden water, you see the pain melt off their face. You see calm and peace restored to their body. God is present. They are held. This is our prayer. Comforting God, we ask that you continue to hold and heal these people so dear to us and teach us how to hold them with you. In your loving name I pray, amen.